You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network and The Conversation with Adam Weber, lead pastor of Embrace Church and author of Love Has a Name. Everybody, this is The Conversation. My name is Adam. I hope you are well today. I'm excited, excited that you are tuning in. Life is good here on this end. It is gorgeous here in South Dakota. This is the type of weather that you cannot buy, uh, but I'm just grateful for a whole bunch of things. If you haven't done so yet this week, spend some time even right now just sitting and being still with God. Just tell Him what you're anxious about. Tell Him what you're excited about. Tell Him what you're worried about. And, and then I want to encourage you to spend some time opening up the Bible, and that might be new for you, but I, I just just read one chapter. Open up the book of John. Open up a psalm and just read one one chapter and, and be still and hear from God. If you've, if you've listened in, if you know me at all, you know I'm not this perfect super Christian or anything. Instead, I'm a person who's needy if, uh, for, for Jesus. But last week, just to say it, I could not put my Bible down. Like, no joke, there was a couple of days that I ended up opening up my Bible four different times because I was just like, I just want to hear more from you, God. And, and sometimes when you read your Bible, there's not going to be this huge epiphany, awesome moment. But last week was one of those weeks where every single time I opened up, it was just like God was speaking directly to me. And so there's so much information. There's so much going on in our world. And I know for me, the busier I am, it's like I need to spend even more time with God. I want. I need to spend even more time praying. I need to spend even more time just reading his word. And so I want to encourage you. It's crazy. We, we were just like, gosh, I wish I had more joy in my life. And then we don't go to the source of joy, which is God. It's, it's, it's like, maybe you're complaining, I have no peace in my life. And then we don't go to the source of peace, which is God himself. And so I just want to, as a friend, just encourage you just to go to him, run to him, spend some time with him today. So that's the first thing I want to say. Secondly, uh, I want to encourage you. This is, I've I've never actually done this. I want to encourage you to go and and listen to my message from this last Sunday. I I preach, I'm the pastor at Embrace. There'll be a link in, in the show notes here where you can go and, and find this. But I want to encourage you to go and listen to the message from this last Sunday. I did a message on political correctness. We're in a, a series right now called What in the World? And uh, just to let you know, I, I think I stepped on everybody's toes this last Sunday in the message, but it just feels like a message that's connected with a lot of people. We planned on doing the message months ago and the timing of it during this election, I, I truly can't believe God's timing. And so go, that's the second thing I want to tell you to do go and, and listen to uh, this last Sunday's message. You can check that out there. Uh, but this, uh, last thing today, uh, you are in for a treat. I was able to sit down with John and Catherine Gordon, uh, a couple that I can't believe I got an interview with, uh, specifically uh, with both of them. But John is somebody that I just recently uh, began to follow in a more intentional way about a year ago. And if he's he, every single time he posts on, online, he's, it's like drinking a cup of coffee in the morning. He just kind of gives you a pep talk and tells you to keep going. But John and Catherine, uh, we, we talk about marriage. They got a new book coming out about marriage. This is one of the most honest conversations I think I've ever had about marriage. It's They just share all their imperfections and all their ugly glory. They give a few very practical tips. If you've had an affair in your marriage, uh, whether you did or your spouse did, this is going to connect with you. And uh, gosh, I was just so grateful. After we got done, we ended up talking for 45 minutes 
after the interview, and I, I basically just thanked them, and, and, and it was just awesome. I just believe that this is going to encourage some people. If you have some friends who are struggling in their marriage, uh, maybe a, a, a family member who's struggling in their marriage, I want to challenge you to, to share this interview with them because I, I, I truly believe this is going to breathe hope and encouragement into marriages. Uh, so often we, we just talk about the fairy tale that, that marriage is, and we don't talk about the hard stuff of marriage, and yet that's what we do in this this interview. And so, as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation. Well, I'm sitting here with two people that uh, I'm genuinely honored to sit down with, two people that I know I have so much to learn from. Uh, I just shared with them before we pushed record, two people that I feel like I've just crossed paths with uh, through social media just even recently. And um, so I'm so grateful. John and Catherine want to welcome you to the podcast today. Thrilled that you're with me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Adam. Yeah. So uh, I want to jump in really to your story right away and um, just kind of find out uh, where the two of you came from, even hometowns. The nerd in me is always curious to find out where a person's from and how the two of you ended up crossing paths in life. So kind of ready, set, go, uh, for, go for it. <laughs> well, I um, grew up a Navy brat. So my dad was uh, a naval aviator in, um, we traveled Oh my goodness. We lived up and down the East Coast. So I went to five different elementary schools before landing in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Crazy. And was able to pretty much stay there as my dad went off and traveled and graduated high school and then went to college at Old Dominion University. A week after graduation, moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And, and then, then from there went to Atlanta, which is where I met John. Met this guy. Yeah, And so I grew up in um, Long Island, in uh, Smithtown, Long Island, and went to college at Cornell University. And then after, after college, moved to Atlanta. I was 22 years old and wanted to create my life. I had just broken up with a, a girlfriend that I went to Texas to go be near. We broke up. I go back home. I'm now waiting tables. And I'm just like, feel like such a failure. All my friends went to go work on Wall Street. They're making their fortunes. And I'm waiting tables at home living with my parents. And I'm thinking, I got to create my life. So I kept on asking people where I should go. And people mentioned San Francisco and Atlanta. People said Atlanta is an upcoming city. Go check it out. So out of the blue, I just picked Atlanta. And I always like say, okay, why? Right? Why? Well, clearly God had a plan because I had to meet Catherine there. And so I opened up a, a bar eventually. I wound up getting a job bartending. I then opened up this bar in Buckhead at 24. I found investors and I'm just like, just going for it, just wing it. I had some money from my grandmother when she passed away. I didn't come from money or anything like that. I put into this restaurant, the other guys put in their money and we said, hey, let's just open up this place. Made a cool little pub. And literally within a few weeks after opening, Catherine was walking down the street and I saw her walk towards me and it was love at first sight for me, for me. <laughs> For her, it took a little while. <laughs> it just took some heating up. Yeah, it took some heating up. Yeah, but 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 I asked her to go out. Um, I said I was having a party that Friday night. Come back. She said I will. She never came back. 
And it's amazing how God works. And we, we write about this in the book, Relationship Grit. We share our story in the book. We're, we're, um, we're basically going to this event. And I don't even know if she's going to this event, but I wind up going to the Best of Atlanta event and she's there. So I had never seen this woman before. And now I see her twice within a week and a half. And I saw her across the room. My parents were visiting. And when I saw her, I'm like, that's her. That's the one. She never came back. And I ran up to her and I started talking to her. Yeah. And I was not interested, but, you know. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Yeah. But <laughs> um, he insisted on getting my card. So I gave it to him, you know, really just to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then he kept calling. And somehow or another, I was on the phone with a girlfriend of mine when he was, he called one last time and I, I continued to cancel on him or not go out. And he said, look, if you don't go out with me tonight, you don't get to go out with me. So I clicked over, remember the days when you would click over on your phone. And I said, you're not going to believe this guy. And she goes, oh my gosh, you got to go out with him. So I was like, okay, fine. Didn't put on any makeup, had my hair in barrettes. I mean, no effort whatsoever. And we got together at yeah. the tavern. We, we met at the tavern. And uh, the funny thing is I went all Long Island on her, right? I was like, <laughs> either we go out tonight or we're never going out, right? Oh I was gosh. all bold, willing to go for it. And the funny thing is we, we had a nice time, but again, nothing special. Yeah. And then afterwards she went on her trip with her friends to uh, Amelia Island, which is so funny because it's not far from where we live now in, in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. And she goes on this trip with her friends and she's trying to simplify her life. And she's saying, all right, this guy I got to get rid of. I got to get rid of this guy. I'm no longer going to date this guy. Because she had all these guys that were going after her, flying her all these places, trying to marry her and so forth. And here's this young guy. I was several years younger, driving a beat up Sentra. And I was the first guy she eliminated. Like, I wasn't even on the list. He wasn't she even on the list. I, on I mean, I was list. dating like, you know. Success, very successful people. I'm 24 years old, just starting my yeah, life. Yeah, he had it. Yeah, beat up, beat up Toyota. What is it? <laughs> Nissan Sentra. Nissan Sentra. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and so then she comes back, and I'm the first guy she called. Like she gets back, and for some reason called me out of the bush. She doesn't know why to this day. I really don't. It was a God moment, yeah. and she's like, "Hey, I'm back. I'm like, I'm coming over." And I went over, and we had this incredible conversation where we just sat there and talked on our couch for hours about God. We had a very spiritual conversation where we just shared our lives, our journey, our heart. Our thoughts and, yeah. and you know, what we believed about God and the world. I mean, it was deep. Yeah, it was a very it deep was conversation. really deep. And she's like, all right, this guy's got something to him, you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> we didn't make out or anything. <laughs> no, it, no. Was, <laughs> it was just really special. And, and that is what brought us together. That's, that's amazing. I, I got, so two, I'm, I want to focus most of our conversation on marriage, obviously with your new book. So two questions. So how long you've been together? How long after that first real, that heart to heart conversation that night till you got married, how long have you been married? And then if you'd share even just a bit about your parents' relationship, good, bad, otherwise marriage as well, like kind of what you saw there. So we have been together, we've been together 25 years as of August this, this month, this year. Yeah. Um, we were married, we've been married for 23 of those years. I definitely came into the relationship with um, a lot of baggage, but um, I had two alcoholic parents. There was a lot of physical abuse, a lot of also infidelity on the side of my father. I mean, it was just not 
it was not a loving, godly home. Yeah. Um, you know, I was lucky enough though. Um, I mean, I, I started doing drugs at a very young age. I know that's, that's pretty heavy, but, um, I had no supervision. And so I started at 13 and, um, but I gave up everything at 25 and completely turned my life around and really started. I got into some wonderful spiritual groups with women and wasn't quite Christian groups then yet. Yeah. But got me, you know, to the other side, you know, I, I, it's like, um, spirituality 101, you know, I was yet to, to really embrace. Um, so, um, I, by the time I met John, I had done a lot of work on myself and I had done a lot of therapy. So I wasn't, I don't, I think if I had ever met him before I did all that, we would have never been able to work. There were way too many issues between both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And she left when she was 16 years old, she left her home. And so she felt the love of her parents. Like she definitely felt their love. And her dad was a very loving person in terms of you were the light of his life. Yeah. You know, so. You know what? They just were sick. They had, they, you know, and that's one of people ask me, what's one of my favorite books. And one of my favorite books is called John Bradshaw on the family. And that book was really pivotal for me to, to, to look at my parents for, what, what they knew they were doing the best they could. You know, I always, um, had, had been really more the victim. They didn't care about me. Where were they when I, you know, and when I read that book and started doing the hard work on myself, um, it really changed my paradigm. And so, yeah, yeah, they were very loving and they, they loved me, but they weren't able to show it and weren't able to function in a healthy way. Yeah, that's so good. And John, you, you, as far as your folks. So my my mom and my biological father divorced when I was a year old. And so Gordon is my mom's maiden name. And oh, so my wow. brother and I would take our mom's maiden name right after college. We kept our biological father's name all through college, but they got divorced when we were a year old. She remarried my dad, term is stepfather, but he really yes. had my dad, raised me since I was five, loved me like his own, became a great dad. My biological father and I don't, you know, talk really to this day, although I have forgiven him. Yeah. He was just never there for me and my brother. So I did have abandonment issues and I had some issues growing up because we never felt like we belonged whenever we went to his house. We never felt like he was there for us. We had step family in our lives all the time. It was a very unique upbringing in that way. But our dad who raised us was awesome. Our mom was great, very loving. It was it was a Jewish Italian family, so a lot of <laughs> a lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of wine, a lot of whining. And so, you know, I grew up with this dad. He was a New York City cop, you know, who raised me, right? And the biological father was a psychotherapist. And so, like one dad said, you know, reason with him, and the other dad said, get the first shot in, you know. And yeah. so, <laughs> that's the truth. That's that's how I grew up in very very confused way, right? So um, yeah. So, so I, you know, again, I brought into the marriage definitely baggage too. I, I did see two parents who loved each other. That's what I was going to ask. Who worked yeah. things out. Like both of our parents, interestingly enough, that we grew up with stayed together through all the turmoil, through all the challenges. Because my dad, when he retired from the police force, definitely had a lot of mental baggage that he had dealt with seeing crime and fighting crime so much and being the thick of it. He was fighting the drug cartels on the streets of New York yeah. City. Yeah. So he was in the thick of everything. And so when he 
when he left, he had some issues, but my mom loved him through it. And I watched him change and grow. And so, so we, yeah, we're the product of families that stayed together, but also had a lot of challenges and fights along the way. My parents fought all the time. <laughs> well, I just appreciate you, the both of you sharing so candidly. I think that this gives us uh, some perspective, even talking about the book now. So your new book, it's, I believe it's the first book together. Is that true? Yeah. So first book together called Relational Grit. Relationship uh, grit, yeah. Relationship grit. Get to get to explain the grit part. I know that stands for something. Explain, jump into that. Yep. So the G for grit is God. And we really believe you need to bring God into your relationship. Yes. And as you know, we told you that was one of the first things that we did together, but it doesn't have to be that way, of course. But you know, we we we've done that. And then even through all of our challenges, and we've had a lot, we've had infidelity and all kinds of stuff, um, we ended up doing some things that we we think were are real pivotal in keeping our family unit together. We came up with a family prayer. So we would say that with our, with our children as well. And the R stands for resolve. You got to resolve to stick together. You got to be willing to change. I'm the one who had to change a lot. My good friend Donald Miller says that if you look at any relationship, one person usually in the relationship has to change the most. And usually it's the guy. He said most often it's the guy. Yeah, research shows that. Donald Miller told me that. And so I'm the one who really had to change most in this relationship. But whatever relationship, you have to be willing to change and get better. And so I had to change a lot. And the I is invest. You have to invest in the relationship. You can't consume. You can't be a taker. Early on, I was a consumer. I was a taker. I was a narcissist. I was selfish. I was not committed totally to the relationship where the infidelity came in early in our relationship, like literally within the first three, four years of us being together. Young dad, I'm 29 years old, 30 years old, two small children. You know, you, you're stressed, you're fearful. You're not getting maybe the, you know, the um, attention. attention at home because you have these kids and I have these wounds and these issues to deal with. And to be honest, I'm not a great husband and I'm not a great father at the time, yeah. right? And so I'm young. And, you know, that, that was something that Again, we, we work through, you become a better person, but invest is where I changed. Found my faith, came to faith when I was 35, 36 years old. Uh, Jesus changes my life from the inside out. I become a much better husband, a much better father. Catherine sees the change in me like completely. Although I had, you know, I had these three, you know, three little fling things that were not Again, I don't want to make, I don't want to minimize it. You better not no, minimize it. This is the same it. place. This is the same place. <laughs> no one else it. is listening. No one else is listening. Yeah. Can't, you, can't, <laughs> you can't minimize it. But you want to just be honest, like, again, flirty, kissing, not all the way, so to speak, right? Where, you know, you totally violate the marriage, but still put myself in bad positions I shouldn't have been in and did things I shouldn't have done. But yet, yeah. you know, yet always knew at the time, like the the last time it happened, I was like, I can never do this again. I'm 30 years old. I walk away. And from that moment on, I was like, I'm going to be committed to my relationship. And I was, but I didn't tell Catherine for 10 years until I'm, when I'm 40, yeah, I become a Christian. I changed my life. I'm on the road. I become a very successful writer and speaker. I've, I've written a number of books, bestsellers, everything. And yet I have this old life that was, you know, pre-faith where I'm not proud of where I yeah. didn't violate 
our trust. And this is in the book. Like we're very honest in the book. Yeah. We wanted to share our truth. We wanted to help people along the way. This is not about how great our marriage is like, mm-hmm. so we can help you. This is about what we've done to overcome our challenges, our flaws, our mistakes yeah. to help, to help other couples be better. Because if I can change and, and we can change and yep. come together and stay together, we know other couples can as well. So, so I tell her when I'm 40, and because God was telling me, you have to tell her. Like, I but I got to tell Adam yeah. how it happened. So Adam, <laughs> I had just got together with some friends and there were two women in the group that um, had found out their husbands were cheating and they were headed for divorce. So that afternoon, John and I are walking on the beach and I'm like distraught about this story and I'm telling him about it. And he turns to me and says, I have something to tell you. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the weirdest thing about that before that time, God was telling me I needed to tell her. Well, and, then, he, and then, it, and no, and then it, and then it came up. Exactly. Like, it was weird how it came up and she brought it up. And in that moment, I'm like, all right, God's been telling me, maybe this is not the best time, but I've got to tell her. And yeah. so I tell her, she didn't want to talk to me for a while. Yep. She was so mad. I thought she might leave me. She was felt so betrayed and rightfully so. And then it was, it was a definitely a tough couple of weeks. I mean, it was, it was I hard. Months, yeah. Months. It, no, it was a couple of weeks. I think it was, it was, it was, it was like looking back, like I'm laughing now, but at the time, like hard, like hard. And I'm going to a speaking event, going to speak on positivity and positive leadership, but a, at a big event, thousands of people, and I'm on the plane. I'm I'm feeling like such a failure at home. Like I would, yeah. And I'm feeling like I'm paying for something that this other guy did. Like I'm not even that guy anymore. I'm a new creator. Yeah. I'm not saying that to justify. I just really, yeah. I become such a different person. And I'm like, I'm paying for this what this other jerk did years ago. <laughs> and and I'm on the plane. I meet this guy, and it was such a God appointment. And I'm telling him what's going on. He doesn't know me from Adam. And he said, you know, my wife and I started saying a prayer before bed every night and it's been life changing. And so I said, God, we need a prayer. What is that prayer? Tell me that prayer. And literally God gave me a prayer and it's God, we invite you into our marriage to love us, to unite us, to heal us and to strengthen us. So we can go strong together and serve you together and raise children that glorify and honor you, God. And literally I wrote it down and I started saying it every night and Catherine could care less than I was saying it initially. Well, I just didn't want to hear it. You know, I was so oh, angry. Yeah. yeah. I was so angry. And I, I honestly, I wanted to get him back because he hurt me. Yes. Um, but that wasn't in God's plan. You know, it just wasn't. And so he just kept saying the prayer. He would leave notes all around the house and you know what he did? He had grit he didn't, he just continued to show me his love. And to be honest, that he was remorseful that, you know, that he was, you know, repentant because I needed to know that I needed to know that. And he didn't give up and we would lay in bed and he would say this prayer and I would um, act like I didn't hear it. But then I started memorizing, like I started knowing it. And then he would say it and I would say it quietly to myself. And then there was just this pivotal time when I ended up grabbing his hand and saying the prayer with him. And that was the beginning of healing. And forgiveness. And forgiveness. And I would say in many ways, like our new relationship, because we grew so much. God was right. God, God was telling me like, if you have secrets between you, you can't have the intimate relationship 
that you want or need or that you deserve to have going forward. And it was weird. It was hard in the beginning. It was painful. But what you uncover, God will cover with his grace. Mm -hmm. And so we uncovered it and then God covered it with his grace. And then from there, wow, there were no secrets. And I told her everything. And then we were now, I was forgiving and we were now trusting. And then we, we create a covenant not just with ourselves, but with God, a covenant in our marriage that we were going to be faithful for the rest of our lives. Even though I had already, I had already been all those years. And so Catherine had always been faithful. It was like, we were just going to be, we we're going to be faithful for the rest of our lives. And the covenant was with God. So I'd always say to her, honey, if you ever do something, you're going to get struck I down. <laughs> I said, I have a hall pass. We got a hall pass. I said, no, you're going to yeah. get a covenant now. And so that covenant really bonded us. And then the family prayer that we would say with our kids, and we grew up to a whole new level of intimacy. And from that, we became just, again, a, a much stronger couple over time. It's been 10 years since that moment, right? Yeah, so it's been it's 10 been... years since them. And now you look back and you see 10 years before, you see these last 10 years, and you see how you've grown. You see how you've developed. You see the joy you have, the love you have by investing in the relationship. And the, and the last of grit is together. They're together. Yeah has to be done together. It can't just be one person in the relationship. It has to be both. And we call the grit relationship grit because in life, grit is a very popular term right now about being gritty. Yep. Individual grit, overcoming, persevering. Yes. But I, I've always been thinking about, because a lot of my work was with sports teams, Miami Heat, the Dodgers, the Rams, you name it, the Seahawks. I just worked yeah. with, I work with a lot of these teams and, and everyone talks about grit, but I'm always like, what makes a team gritty? What makes a team have grit together? Yeah. I've always realized it's connection and commitment. So the connection you have leads to a greater commitment as a team. So I remember telling Catherine about this. Said, well, that's our relationship. Our yeah. relationship has been all about that. Like yeah. looking and finding ways to be connected, more committed. And it's the communication that leads to the connection and commitment and the caring. So we, we share four C's in the book, communication, connection, commitment, and caring to build a stronger relationship, as well as among, uh, as well as many other tips yeah. along the way. But those four C's are really foundational. Give our own tips. Yeah, you guys are speaking my love language. Like, ah. uh, I'm not kidding. You're the boat, and I'm not just saying this to fluff your feathers. I like just love hearing about marriage from the both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite quotes from Mark Batterson, uh, the author: "Never trust a pastor without a limp." Ah. Never, never, never trust a, a person who's written a marriage book without a limp. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, I'm like the perfect couple. I, I don't know if I have anything to learn from them, but someone who's been around the block a couple times, I'm like, I got some things to learn. So I just appreciate your candidness. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network, and now a message from a network supporter. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to take a break in our show today to tell you about an online parenting event that you will not want to miss. We are living in strange, difficult days, and I think it's safe to say that parents feel the pressure to lead in their homes especially well right now. And on that note, on that note, I want to encourage you 
to go and sign up today for the Perfectly Imperfect Christian Parenting event that will be held on October 23rd and 24th. This completely digital event was designed to give parents the practical and spiritual help needed to grow as leaders in the home. With more than 40 available talks, you'll hear from amazing speakers like Aaron and Jamie Ivey, Mark Batterson, Jonathan Pitts, the Duck Dynasty Robertson family, and many, many more. Tickets are only $49. So we invite you or a parent that you love to register today for this digital parenting event. Visit perfectlyimperfect.org to sign up today. Now, let's get back to today's show. If it's okay, I'm going to pepper you with a couple of random questions. So the God part of things, you mentioned your, the prayer you pray, the covenant you have. Um, what else does it mean to have God in the middle of your relationship? I know even that, I get that question a lot as a pastor and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like what, what is there, is there just like two more practical things that you're like this and this, this is what it looks like to have God in the center. For me, it looks like you surrender, you yeah. trust in God first and foremost, that he is the center of your relationship. He's the foundation of your relationship, that we know that we are who we are because of God. So we trust in him in our lives. Our challenge is as parents now is trusting in God for for our our kids' kids lives lives. (laughs) because they're struggling and, you know, they go through their challenges. So so now it's about, okay, we trusted in God in our life, but now we really have to trust God (laughs) in our kids' lives. And that is really hard to do, but that's that's how we see as God, the center of our relationship. And also you, you put God first. We pray all the time together. When yeah. We're struggling. We know that, you know, we, we need to call on God. We need to pray through our, through our challenges. So to me, it's very practical in terms of prayer. It's trust. And also it's, it's just surrender. Like, yeah, like everything we have, everything we are first and foremost, it goes to God. Like right in this book, we're like, Hey, we don't want to air our dirty laundry. We don't, it's uncomfortable, right? To, to talk about these things and to like the world is reading this book right now. Like, I mean, I'm, we have thousands of people that are already reading it and they're knowing your story. Right. And, and um, you know, Catherine talks about like, she gives practical advice, like, like, like ladies make sure you have sex with your husband. It's important to do that. Well, she says, why do you think John smiles so much and so positive? Now, I'm going to be going to events now, speaking to like events, this. and people are going to be like, oh, John, I read hey, your book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then they also know your challenges and, and your struggles that you had along yeah. the way. So it really, uh, it really made us be very vulnerable. We knew we had to be to write this book for it to be real and to make a yeah. difference. And so again, didn't necessarily want to do it, knew we had to do it. And I think that's part of it. Trusting in God. We're meant to do this book. We're meant to share it. And hopefully if it, if it saves marriages even one marriage that's right it's all been worth it that we did it yep that's so that's so good a question and maybe both of you try to answer this Catherine you kind of did it maybe more pre-marriage and then John you kind of talked about it the R with the resolve and things that had to change and I could even when you were talking John it was so refreshing just to hear your candidness and it's like it was me like this is the fool that needed to change how does that how do a, does a person realize it's them like if there is more you know, it's, it's a both, but how do you see that in yourself? It's a lot easier to talk about, much harder to live out. I think that's where your heart comes in. I, I don't think you're going to see it or be open to it unless your heart is open to it, unless you know that you're not God. I always say, right? 
Like I'm humble enough to know that there's a God and it's not me. It's about being vulnerable, you know, in the relationship is really, really being vulnerable about what's going on. I mean, right now with COVID, there's a lot of, of stuff happening with relationships. And I'm, I think one of the big things with, with these couples, and a lot of times it's the man who's the breadwinner, you know, not always, is uh, fear, fear, but it manifests into something else, aggressive behavior, you know, shouting out things like that. And so then that's where the communication comes in and to really, really talk about it. Yeah, jealousy, inadequacy, yeah. fear of not being able to provide for your family. And so your, your issues come up. And so Catherine was always very supportive in that way where she was like, you know what, we're going to get through it. When I lost my yeah. job, I lost my job during the dot-com crash. And she was like, we're going to get through it. Somehow, some way, we're going to find a way. And there was a fear that, oh, if I don't provide, she'll go with someone else. Right, that I was Right, so there's jealousy that I, I'm not enough. I can't provide. So your unworthiness comes out. So the work that I had to do on myself, to be honest, was to know that I'm, I'm worthy in God and that I'm loved by God. And I started to see myself as a child of God. And yeah. I, gave my, I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized 2007. And from there, my identity changed in how I saw myself. And not right away, right? But over time, my faith strengthened. Erwin McManus is the one who led me to Christ. His oh. sermons, you know, led me to Christ. I'm sure you know who he is. Yeah, and, yeah. And so impactful. And now I'm on the board of Mosaic, which is wild that like the, the guy who leads me to Christ, I'm now on his board <laughs> and, and just showed me how, how, you know, again, how to be a, a real man. A real man is not always the one that like, you know, yeah, you're strong, but it's about being vulnerable. It's about being open. It's about being honest. It's about being giving. It's about being caring. It's about actually committing and sacrificing and serving. Yeah. And I had to learn how to be a, what I had to be willing to do is to learn how to be a servant leader. Catherine was always serving. She was always there for me. I had to learn to serve. And let me tell you, uh, it makes me pay for it every day now. Of my <laughs> No, so I, I got, that's so good. I got two last questions, Catherine, like first off for, so right now, um, just in the last six, four, three, four months, even there's been a lot of women who have caught husband cheating and like, just, I mean, it just has. And, and I even just with, with sharing about John coming to Jesus and now praying a prayer, I know I, I it's, uh, I've seen that happen in some of the guys, all of a sudden they get caught. And they're just thanking God that they're no longer feeling the conviction anymore. That's like hounded them. So they, they're almost like a spring chicken. They're like so excited. Like, and then Jesus, like, so they're all excited. And then I see the spouse being like, oh, now you're going to talk about Jesus. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now you're going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to drown you. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, a fine line, right? Yeah. Like, and not, I think yeah. for women or, or whoever's going through that, it's when you really have to make the decision do you want to be with this person? Because if you do, then you're going to have to put some of that aside. I mean, it is painful. It's awful and you feel betrayed. But for me, I I had to get to the point where I go, okay, but do I love him? And I do. And I want to be with him. So we're going to try to work through this together. But yeah, I totally get that. Listen, I, I, I was Catholic growing up. And while I didn't go to mass all the time, you know, we were Christmas and and Easter mass attenders. Um, you know, I was Christian. Well, here's my husband who comes into the picture and he was Jewish and then kind of Buddhist. 
And all of a sudden he, he's a Christian and he is learning and all of a sudden he, he knows it all. And not like that. I don't mean it like that, but it seemed like that sometimes. And I had to kind of step back and, and go and, and see it really for what it was, was his enthusiasm and his just love for the stories of Christ and, and how it could benefit us instead of what you're saying, which is sometimes me going, oh yeah? Okay, now you think you know it all. Okay. <laughs> I, I was on fire initially, but I, and I wanted to tell everyone, everyone needed Jesus, right? And, but, but I had to, I had to learn. And now years later, I know that the best thing to do is to love people well, and just, and just show it through your love show and, it. and show it right. And love people and show it through your faith. But yeah. it was a pretty cool thing. What happened was, you know, I came to faith and Catherine then came with me to an FCA event where Ann Graham Lotz was speaking. Oh. And I thought we were there for me because we were meeting all the athletes and the coaches for FCA. And I was going to speak at these future events. So I was like, oh, this is a great thing for me. And then we're there and Anne Graham Lotz is speaking and Catherine starts weeping. Wow, it's powerful. She started yeah. And then from there, like I heard God say, you thought you were here for you? No, you came for her. Yeah. And after that, Catherine's heart deepened in so many ways, even though she had a deep heart, but her faith strengthened in yeah. so many ways. And and then we really became Christ-centered, I would say, together after that. Yeah. And so um, it was a, it's a powerful part of our journey. Like, you know, everyone thinks the relationship should be perfect all the time or you should never have struggles. And the idea is that, and we know you go through seasons and you yeah. go through ups and downs. And one person might be on a different faith journey than you and you may not come to Christ or faith at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's about loving each other loving. through that time. And I never judged Catherine Air after I came to my faith. I thought she wasn't there with me in that way, right? We just loved her. Just yeah. she, she didn't really judge me on mine. She thought, hey, this guy, he's changing. And I like what I see. Let's see if it sticks and it's real. And that's, the, proof, that's so good. the proof is in how you act and the proof is in the fruit, yeah. right? How well you're investing in the root. And sometimes <sighs> one's, one partner's investing more than the other. Mm. You know, it doesn't always have, it's not always going to be equal. As a matter of times, a matter of fact, most of the times it's not, right? right. It's going to be one is more than the other. But that's the sacrifice and commitment you make for a, good, for a loving marriage. That's so good. Last, last question three like very specific practical things that someone like myself, so I'm 38, I got four kids under the age of 13, wow. married, married 16 years. <laughs> what, are, what are three things, again, they can just be like bing, 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 that you should think a person like myself should do to have a better marriage? I would say definitely connect. And so you have these kids, you're busy all the time and you're probably already doing this, but connect where you go on a walk, you know, once a day or a couple of times a week where you just take a walk together. And while you're walking, you talk. We did a lot of walks together. And sometimes we would fight on those walks, but you have to talk it out to work it out. And those difficult conversations would actually make us stronger in the long run. That would be one. Okay. I say serve. So every year we pick a one word for the year. And when John picked the word serve, that was a life-changing year for us in so many ways and our children. And, you know, it's about not always doing what you want to do, but doing it for, for your, for your partner. Right. I started doing the laundry and I was not a a big laundry person, but, but I started doing the laundry as a way to help out. My word was served that year and started doing the laundry. And again, it was something that just helped Catherine along the way, you know, that would, that would make her life easier. And 
at the end of the year, she said, what's going to be your word next year? Selfish. I've never, <laughs> seen, I've never seen you do so much. That's my best but, year. Yeah. But she saw me change in a lot of ways by, by serving. And our son was at the chiropractor and the chiropractor was with Catherine and, and our son and the chiropractor said, so where's John? And she said, oh, he's at the world leaders conference speaking with all these famous people. And the chiropractor said, well, John's kind of famous. And my son said, not in our house. He does the laundry. Mm-hmm. And but I think, again, that was such a great thing that he said that I love that because it's not about being a household name. It's about being a big name in your household and doing the little things that serve. So I would say look for little ways to serve, which I'm sure you do. And finally, I would say don't compete. I think a lot of times with couples, don't compete. Encourage each other instead of compete. And you love talking about compliment and talking about that. I think that's- Well, no, that's I wanted to say care Okay. because I think you really need to show you care and, you know, studies have shown it's taking time to, to, for, for the little things. If she says, Hey, come look at this or, you know, just the little things, showing that you care, taking that time where they're, you know, your spouse is not annoy, annoying you or you're too busy to do something. It's the little things. Yeah. Like I, I need your help with the groceries. Can you help bring them in? And you take the time for that research from John Gottman shows that couples that actually help each other and make time for each other for those little moments. It's not the big moments. It's those little things in the course of their marriage, much more likely to stay together. And honestly, early on too busy. Now it's like, yeah, whatever you need, like I'm here. And the things that I, we talk about our marriage, like early on, as people read in the book, like Catherine had some health problems, went to the doctor. I wouldn't even take her to the doctor because I was so busy and stressed with law school and, the bar I had opened and, and running a nonprofit and they were more important than my wife. I'm so ashamed to, to admit that and say that, but, it, but it's true. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of person I was. So people reading it, I'd be like, wow, John, you really were a jerk like that. Wow. That's, that's hard to believe. But, but I think it will be able to show people that now you become someone who does those little things and it makes all the difference. John and Catherine, I can't thank the both of you enough. My wife is going to ask that I set up an appointment like this with you every <laughs> single week. She'll be like, hey, did, can you, did you make sure you listen to your own podcast? Check that episode. Just keep on repeat. No, that was seriously, and I'm, I mean this wholeheartedly, one of the most refreshing conversations I think I've ever had about, about marriage. Oh, and thanks. Thanks, thanks for being willing to share the not pretty stuff because yep. that's, that's, that's real life. Yeah, it it's like, that's what I can, every part of the, the raw stuff that you got you, I'm like, this guy, this guy, this guy. And so I really appreciate it. I'm going to have a link uh, to their new book. Go get a copy, uh, get a copy for your spouse, for yourself, for your friend, your girlfriend, boyfriend, get it for them. Tell them to read it with their spouse as well. John and Catherine, I genuinely can't thank the both of you enough. Thank you for allowing God to use you. And uh, again, I've, I've only been following you for a short time. And yet, thank you for the ways that you've been speaking into my life. And, and during this time of bizarreness this, that this year's yeah. been, it's such a refreshing voice to hear someone who's honest about the good, bad, and otherwise in life. But it's like, hey, let's do this. We got one life. Let's yeah. live it instead of and, complaining about it. And Adam, I do want to tell your listeners, you can get our, it's a free workbook. It's at www.relationshipgritbook.com. Awesome. And yeah. Yeah, we create that resource so that you read the book, you do the action plan, the workbook together, three, and it's going to allow you to have the conversations you need to have to develop a, a stronger relationship. So we don't want just people to read the book. We want them to actually do the take work. Take action. Develop, take action, and 
you know, don't go through life with a clenched fist. Like, oh, we have to stay together and be miserable. No, <laughs> you know, stay together so you can have more love, more joy, more meaning and more connection and commitment. It's going to make life so much better, more meaningful. And that's possible for all of us if we are willing to communicate, connect, commit and care. Uh, thank you guys again for sitting down. Such a huge honor and blessing. My face hurts from smiling. Uh, just grateful for the both of you. Thanks, thank Adam. you so much. Conversation with Adam Weber. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. You can find more from Adam Weber on Instagram and Twitter and at adamweber.com. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.